Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. In my family, I think I'm the one who worries about finances the most. I'm constantly checking our bank account. I use the Mint app to track our finances. I'm looking at the investments. And uh, compared to a lot of people who live in King County, we don't really make a lot of money. Like, we're still driving our Honda Element that we bought for $5,000 10 years ago. And it, it doesn't look good. It's got some stitches. It's got some coverings. But we're making it work. We're still renting our house. We can't afford buying a house at this moment. But uh, I, I keep track of what we have. <laughs> You know, about five years ago, I, I made some crypto investments, a couple hundred dollars, and was able to trade that, and I, I grew it to about $40,000, and it was awesome, and I thought, man, we might be able to buy a house, we might be able to retire one day, like, this is growing, if we keep on stewarding this, this is going to be some security in our life. Well, I got an email, and I saw I had to update some software. So I click on the link to update the software. In about 10 seconds, it was a phishing scam, and people hacked my computer, and we lost all of our investments, $40,000. I felt like the wind was knocked out of me. I felt physical pain. I felt fear and anxiety. I felt embarrassed. I felt victimized. I felt shame. Uh, how am I going to tell this to my wife? Will we be able to retire? Did I ruin our family's future? Will we be able to buy a house? I, I just, it hurt so much. And it was during that time, uh, I needed the words of Jesus so desperately, specifically what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. And I, I want to share this for you if you go through times of financial insecurity. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves fish and hack and steal all your crypto. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So Jesus acknowledged like there are investments that can be stolen or destroyed or lost, but don't place your trust in that. Invest in heaven where it will never be stolen. Invest in something with eternal value. In verse 24, Jesus goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And here are the words that I really needed to hear. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or how am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to retire? How am I going to pay for my health care? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. 
You know, I was so worried. I felt so trapped. I felt so insecure. But this scripture that says we can seek first the kingdom of God and he will take care of all of our needs really is what I needed to hear. And I want to just be honest. The Lord has been good to our family. In these last five years, we've been able to have a great house and raise two kids, one with special needs that has been really expensive. But as we have sought first the kingdom of God, he has taken care of us financially. And if you're feeling insecure, filled with anxiety, trapped in your financial reality, we believe that you can find financial freedom through financial dependence in God by trusting in him and with all that you have. It is possible. So now when people ask me, like, where do you store your money after that accident? I say, uh, I don't store my money in my bank. I don't store the money in my home. Now it's just in my memories. <laughs> Glory to God. So today, <laughs> are you worried about your finances? There's this bank called Capital One, and they just released a study called Mind Over Money. And here's some stats that maybe you'll resonate with. 77% of Americans report feeling anxious about their financial situation. 58% of Americans feel that finances control their life. I mean, that's pretty big, especially when Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. 58% of Americans say, I am controlled by finances. 52% have difficulty controlling their money-related worries. The impact of financial stress has on Americans stretches into all aspects of life. So when you're having anxiety of money, it's impacting you. With the respondents saying they feel fatigued, they find it difficult to concentrate at work, and have trouble sleeping. I can't sleep because I'm so worried about my finances. A quarter of respondents said financial stress affects their relationships. And we've seen in a lot of studies that one of the main contributors for divorce in America is financial stress, disagreement, and insecurity. So this is impacting us. And I, I know, based on the prayer requests I'm hearing, the stress I feel in this room, that a lot of us are stressed about our financial security, our jobs. I mean, I know Amazon just announced they're doing another round of layoffs. And we're worried, how's that going to impact us, the economy and inflation and shrinkflation? Like our money isn't going as far as it used to. How am I going to afford the necessities of life and even the luxuries of life? And so when we think about finances, some of us, we feel suffocated by it. Maybe in your family you were taught to have the mindset, or maybe your family was like, we just can't afford anything. We'll never have enough money. Or maybe you grew up in a family that said, we solve all of our problems through money. If I'm, ha I'm not happy, I just need to buy more, or I need to go on a vacation, or I need to take this trip, and all of our, our solutions were solved with finances. But now with insecurity with jobs or the state of the economy, we're like, oh, my security is disappearing, and my anxiety is rising. And that's why when Jesus, he speaks, he speaks a lot about money, because it's something that we're all thinking about and concerned about. In fact, Jesus talks more about money then he talks about hell and heaven combined. It was a, a really big issue. And that's why in the scripture that we just read, he says, hey, don't worry about all these things. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God. And Jesus doesn't just say, don't worry and leave it at that. He says, okay, don't worry, 
but replace it with something else. Seek first the kingdom of God. And so our culture used to sing a very famous song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. But Jesus says, uh, don't worry, seek first the kingdom of God. And so today I want to break down how do we find financial freedom with the principles that we find through Jesus Christ. And so today I want to talk about what it means to seek first the kingdom of God in our finances through a spiritual discipline called tithing. Everybody say tithing. You know, I just heard this crazy story from my pastor friend, Jason Parrish, in in Utah. And the story is wild. There's this guy named John Densmore, and he was a longtime drummer for the band called The Doors. Anybody ever hear of The Doors? And so, yes, amen. And so John Densmore, he was a longtime drummer for The Doors, and he started tithing because he read an article uh, by John Lennon. Do you guys know who John Lennon is? From the Beatles, amen. So the drummer from the Doors read an article where uh, John Lennon from the Beatles praised the idea of tithing in a Playboy interview. And uh, just to be clear, my pastor friend did not read this in Playboy <laughs> himself. I just read it for the articles, bro. No, he, he was reading another article in Christianity Today that quoted Playboy. So the, the authors at Christianity Today... <laughs> They were reading Playboy. <laughs> I'm a pastor, Fred, okay? So John Densmore, longtime drummer for The Doors, took up tithing after John Lennon praised it in a Playboy interview. Years later, Densmore mentioned in an essay for The Nation that tithing helped him resist greed. So these are non-Christians celebrating the idea of tithing. He wrote, during the Oliver Stone film on her band, so there was a film made about the band The Doors, the record royalties, so the amount of money they were making, the record royalties tripled. And as I wrote those 10% checks, my hand was shaking. Isn't it wild that someone who's not even following Jesus bought into the idea of tithing? And so in that Christianity Today article, they go on to write, tithing is not a luxurious option achievable only by those whose financial security is assured. It is the ancient spiritual practice that God uses to begin setting our priorities right, to heal our hearts of greed and fear, and to draw us ever closer into his own boundless generosity. So tithing, I believe, is an ancient spiritual discipline that we're called to follow and that will help us in our spiritual anxiety and slavery. So what is tithing? Point number one, tithing is giving the first 10% of your income to the local church. So let's read in Malachi chapter 3, very famous scripture about tithing. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in, say it with me, my house, God's house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be not enough room to store it. And so this principle of tithing says, all the money I have belongs to God. And I'm called to just return 10% of God. And if I don't return it, since it's God's money, I am a thief, 
I'm a robber and I'm stealing from the Lord. I love this quote by Robert Morris. And a lot of the concepts I'm sharing, I learned from him. And he writes this, tithing isn't really giving, it's returning. It is bringing back to the Lord what is already his. So all of our money that we steward, we have it because God trusts us with it. And we determine if we're returning it back to him. So when you're tithed, you're really not giving. You're simply returning. And in Christianity, generosity begins at 11% because the first 10% belongs to God. And so what is the tithe? It's giving 10% of your increase, your income, back to the Lord, specifically through the, Lord, the Lord's house. So in this scripture in Malachi, he says, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. So what is not the tithe? Well, tithe literally means 10% in Hebrew. So giving 9% of your income is not a tithe. Giving 8% of your, tithe, your income is not a tithe. So 10% is a tithe. So if, that means if you're making $1,000 a month, 100 must be returned to God. What is not a tithe? Uh, it's giving your time or your talent. What is not a tithe? It's giving to a random organization. I give this money to TED Talks as my tithe. That's not a tithe. You give it to the local house. Giving to a random individual who's in need. I wouldn't say that's a tithe. Uh, not charging uh, someone for a good or a service. That's not a tithe. And this legacy offering that we've been talking about to move the church forward, that's not your tithe. That's an offering. That's above and beyond your original 10%. And so tithing is something we see in the scripture, but often when we see the number 10 in the scripture, it's a number of testing. So we see in the scripture in Malachi, the Lord, one of the rare times he says, hey, you need to tithe and you can actually test me on this. You can put it to the test. See that I will not bless you when you trust me with your finances. So let's, let's kind of unpack this idea of 10 being a number of testing. And so when the people of God were looking to follow the way of God in the Old Testament, uh, they were given the, the commandments. And how many commandments were they given to see if they were following God? Ten. Very good, kids. All right. And when uh, the Israelites were being freed from Egypt and God wanted to test the heart of Pharaoh, how many plagues did God send to them? Ten. Excellent, boys and girls. All right. So when Jesus heals the lepers, but only one returned to thank Jesus, how many lepers did Jesus heal? Ten. And how many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. All right. Come on, you guys. Come on. <laughs> and so we, we see tithing in the Bible. We see it before the Old Testament law of Moses was written. We see tithing where Moses uh, or Abraham tithed to Melchizedek when he met him, right? This was before the law was written. We see it in the law of Moses, the Old Testament, Old Testament uh, requirements. We see it in the New Testament with Jesus. And we see it in the early church with tithing. And some of you are like, I, I don't know about that. I thought Old Test you know, the Old Testament is what required tithing. Uh, well, I, I want you to know it is in the New Testament. And some of us who are on the fence with tithing, uh, let me ask you this question. Would you tithe if Jesus told you to tithe? Like if he showed up, if, if I could show you a scripture where he says you should tithe, you would tithe? Who would do that? If you saw a scripture where Jesus says you should tithe, you would tithe. Well, okay, you're in luck. Matthew 23, 23. 
What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now say it with me. These are the words of Jesus. You should tithe. Yes. One more time. You should tithe. Yes. Amen, Jesus. But do not neglect the more important things. So Jesus says, like, hey, you should tithe. That isn't an excuse to ignore justice, mercy, and faith. But you should tithe. And in case you're unclear, yes, <laughs> you should tithe. And so we see this in the New Testament. In fact, in the early church, in the book of Hebrews, they say, on earth, mere mortals, like church leaders, they receive the tithe, the financial uh, gift. But Jesus is the one who receives it himself, we see in the book of Hebrews. And so uh, I've heard through my pastoral life, I, I don't tithe because that's just an Old Testament principle, so I don't, I don't have to trust the Lord with my finances anymore. Well, I mean, thou shall not murder is in the Old Testament as well. And I, I don't think we should justify murdering because we find it also in the Old Testament. And to be honest, I'm, I'm not trying to get too angsty here, but like when we look at the early church in the New Testament, not only did they tithe, they gave 100% of their income. I mean, look at the scripture in the book of Acts where Ananias and Sapphira, they sell their house and they give most of the proceeds of that purchase or that selling to the church, but they hold back just a portion. And what's the result? They die. And so for those of us who are like, oh, the institutionalized church, I don't like the American church today. I wish we had the early church reality. Well, you might die if you don't give 100% of your income. And I'm going to be honest, if you can't handle the Old Testament 10%, I don't know if you're ready for the New Testament 100%. I mean, it's, pretty, it's more intense than the New Testament, not less intense. And so I wrote it like this. If tithing isn't a New Testament principle, it's only because the early church gave 100%. I mean, look at Acts 2. It says that they sold all of their possessions and shared it all in common with the local church. It, it's crazy. Man, y'all quiet now, huh? <laughs> you know, when I was, uh, no, actually, this isn't a long time ago story. This was last night. Last night... I was trying to get hydrated before I preached three services this morning. And my friend Rudolfo, who goes to Kalos Church, he had bought uh, at this party at my house like this drink called Liquid Death. And it's LaCroix. Like, it's not, it's like, it's just sparkling water. But the marketing on it, it's big. It looks like a beer can. And it's called Liquid Death. And like, I know I'm a pastor, I should be drinking living waters, but I was drinking liquid death. And the, the tagline on the can is, murder your thirst. <laughs> like, whoever is doing the marketing on this is brilliant. I, I love it. And so anyways, I'm, I'm drinking liquid death. And my, my daughter, four years old, comes up to me and, and says, Dad, can I have some of that? Can I just try it? So yeah, you can try it. She starts drinking it, then she starts gulping it, and then she runs away. So my four-year-old daughter is running away with liquid death, <laughs> and she is like secretly just 
holding it away from me. And so finally I go, Nella, I'm trying to get hydrated. That's mine. And she brings it back to me. And she says, hey, Dad, I saved some for you. And there's just a little layer of what we in the biz call backwash. <laughs> so the liquid death is gone. It's just my daughter's spit, her saliva. It's nasty. And I'm like, I don't want to drink that. I don't want your leftovers. I don't want the backwash. And in the same way, our tithe isn't just an amount. I'm going to give God 10%. It's giving God the first 10%. The first belongs to the Lord. It's not us giving leftovers. It's not us giving backwash. It's not us giving what we think we can afford. It's saying, this isn't my money. I'm returning what's yours. And I'm not just giving you what I think I can handle the backwash of my life. Because the backwash is nasty. And I, I, I spit that out of my mouth. Nala. And so are you giving God your first, your best, or your leftovers and your backwash? It's a challenging thought. And I, I want to be honest, point number two, it takes faith to tithe before paying the rest of your bills. I mean, all of our spiritual disciplines take faith. When we say take a Sabbath, everybody's like, ooh, I like that. A little bit of self-care. Got to take a day off. Don't work. Well, it, it is still an act of faith because you're saying, Lord, I trust that you can do more with me working six days than I can working seven days a week. And so it takes faith. It's saying, God, I trust that you can do more with my 90% of my income than I could do with my 100%. And especially as we're dealing with financial anxiety and security, I think I have a little bit more peace that I'm lining myself up with the blessing of God instead of hand handling this in my own strength. Because the fact is our abilities, our mind, our physical strength, those things fade away. But the Lord doesn't change. And I I know that my money is in good hands when it's in the hands of the Lord. And so this is an act of faith. And here's a, a, a phrase I hear a lot. Uh, Pastor, I just can't afford to tithe. Well, here's a spiritual principle. You won't be able to tithe until you start tithing. Because there's two testimonies I often hear as a pastor. One tithe is, uh, I just, I can't tithe because I don't have enough. That's the testimony here. I can't tithe because I don't have enough. And then a testimony that I would rather have is, man, I tithe and God has given me more than enough. I would rather be in that category. Lining myself up with the blessing of God. Now, am I saying this is a magic formula? That if you tithe, you'll have a yacht, you'll be extremely wealthy right away? No, I'm still driving a Honda Element that I bought 10 years ago for $5,000. We're still renting a house. We're not living this crazy, luxurious life. But can I say that the Lord has been faithful to take care of our needs? Yes and amen. Does he foster a sense of greed and I feel like we have to lust after the pleasures of the world constantly? We're never satisfied? No, that's not what this is about. This isn't about treating God as a vending machine. This isn't a, a salvation issue. You can still experience the presence of God, experience salvation if you're not tithing. You're not buying your way into the miraculous or getting blessings or anything like that. But you're just saying, Lord, I trust you. And if you say I can either serve God or money, I just want to make sure I'm serving God. Because only God can deliver what money promises. Amen? 
I mean, our culture tells us that money is where we find hope. If we're having uh, problems, we can buy our way through it, or all of our problems are because we don't have enough money. I know poor people who are happy, and I know rich people who are unhappy. And I'm telling you what, only God can deliver what money promises. And that's why we trust God with our money. Because tithing isn't for God's benefit. He's good. He's good. He's got all of his needs taken care of. It's for our benefit. It helps us with our heart. helps us with our spiritual life. It helps us say, God, we place you first. And we have tangible proof in our life that we place you first. Because let's be honest, it's easy to honor God with our lips, but our heart be far away from him. We can sing a song and our heart be afraid, but here's the reality. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. And when we give, it's proof that we love. And it takes faith, and it's scary. I remember when we first moved here to Bellevue from Michigan with an amazing team, and we had to give up jobs, sell houses, sell cars, to move here to start a church in a place we had never been to. It was really an act of faith. And, you know, families like the Jennings here, the Snyders, like Kim Coriel here, they gave up jobs. Like, they sold houses to seek first the kingdom of God. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Some of us, we struggle with the idea of 10%. These amazing people, they literally sold their houses, abandoned all the people they had known their whole lives, and said, we are going to go advance the kingdom of God. You know, I remember we were like down to $3,000 in our bank account. We had our first kid, 10 months old, moving across the country. How are we going to do this? The church really didn't exist, so we didn't have like financial income. And I just remember like, we as a family decided, we're going to place you first, Lord. We're going to trust you. And it gave us a front row to see God take care of us. It's wild. One story, there's this person who reached out to Amritha on Facebook, and uh, it was a profile with no profile picture from a person named, like, John Smith. Reached out to Amritha, slid into her DMs, and said, hey, uh, I want to meet with you, talk about the church. Uh, do not bring your husband, only bring your child. And uh, Armitha's like, hey, should I do this? <laughs> and I said, as a, like a protective husband and loving father, but ultimately as an obedient church planter, I said, you have to go. <laughs> what if they join the church? We've got to preach the gospel. And so she met in this park. Who am I going to meet with? This is going to be awkward. And it's like, as Armitha describes, it's like, glorious, glamorous, supermodel, Slavic woman who's, like, like dressed in all Gucci, just looking very bedazzled. And they meet in the park, and they talk for, like, 10 minutes. And it's, like, not very deep. It's not very impactful. Just kind of small talk. Armitha comes back to the house. I say, how'd it go? She's like, it was, it was fine. It was great. Nice to meet new people. And then in that moment, we get an email, and this lady donated $40,000 to Kalos Church. And just that moment, we're like, oh, my goodness. We had like three, five people part of the church back then. We're like, okay, we can move forward. We can buy sound equipment and move forward. But I'm telling you what, like, we could not have done that in our own strength. Like, if we, I mean, if I was like, I'm going to go find every Slavic woman you can. I mean, that would have been, <laughs> that would have been super awkward. Like, we could not have done that in our own strength. But, like, placing our trust in God, putting ourselves in a situation where if God doesn't show up, 
we're in trouble. That's faith. And we're all called to step out in faith, even and especially in our finances. Because when we open up our hand and say, Lord, you can take out whatever you want. Guess what? Your hand is open and he can start to put some things in there. And it's amazing. And God is faithful and more worthy of our trust than the security that money kind of brings. Because money can be stolen. It can be lost. You could lose your mental agility and ability, your physical strength, but God will never abandon you. And we trust him. And I just pray that you would experience the safety and security of not having to fight in your own strength, but achieving financial dependence on the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. And so tithing is biblical. I believe it's beneficial for our heart. But I want to be fully transparent here. It's also helpful for the life of the church. And so in Malachi, he says, bringing the tithe into my house, into God's house, which is the local church today in the New Testament. And all that we do as a ministry is dependent on the donations of tithers or people returning their money to God. So the space we're in, the salaries we pay, the chairs you're sitting in, someone paid for it. And it's helped us so much. We don't charge tickets for services. We're not trying to sell products. We're dependent on the generosity of God's people saying, I will return my money to God and take care of his house. And we're so generous. But if I could get a little bit real, I don't want this to feel like spiritual or financial manipulation. So if any of this feels like manipulation, take these principles and use it to give to another local church, okay? Still attend here, still be blessed and part of Kalos Church, but if you feel like I'm trying to spiritually manipulate you, give it to another church. Because I don't want something from you, I want something for you. And I believe that when we build our life on the scripture, it helps us find true freedom. That's my heart here. But we uh, have this ministry going, and on a normal Sunday, we have about four to 500 people coming between all of our three services with kids and all of that together. But right now, we have about 77 people signed up for regular giving. So much of our financial planning and moving forward as a church is dependent on 77 people. So that means most of the people part of Kalos Church regularly give $0. And uh, I don't think that's your heart. I think I see people in this room who are grateful for the Lord, and you're hungry to see more of the Lord. And I'm not saying tithing buys you spiritual blessing, but you're, you're grateful, and you do trust the Lord. But maybe nobody ever taught you about the spiritual principle of tithing. And so that's why it's our responsibility to just kind of share what the scripture says so that you can opt into it. But I can't help but imagine, what would we do if even half the people of Kalos Church were regularly giving? Do you, can you imagine the kind of staff we could hire, the resources we could bless this community with, the outreaches we could do? Man, I'm just even thinking of this adjacent space and all the things that we dream of doing to preach the gospel. It would be so much easier for us as ministers to take advantage of the opportunities God has given us to preach the gospel. And so my personal goal is that even this year, we go from 77 to 100 people regularly tithing with automatic giving at Kalos Church. We've all benefited from this church, and honestly, someone paid for it. People have sold houses to make this ministry happen. People have sold cars to make this happen, and we are eternally thankful. Aren't you thankful for the financial generosity of the people in this room? Can you give them a round of applause? I just think it's so beautiful. 
So challenging question, point number three I have for all of us today is this. If the whole church gave like you, what would we be able to do? Would we be able to do less or would we be able to do more? I mean, if the whole church gave like you, would we have zero money? Or would we have people who are giving 10% or 20% giving tithes and offerings? Because there's more people to reach. You know, you expect me and Pastor Amritha to be responsible with the tithes and offerings in the church, right? And we've seen a lot of pastors take advantage of money, maybe abuse it. And so there's a responsibility we have. But I want to turn that around on all of us today to say, what if I told you that the church wasn't just pastors and buildings? What if the church was God's people? Who believes that the church is not a building, it's God's people? So that means all of your money is the church's money because the people are the church. And so if I, as a pastor of a church, stewarded the money that we're entrusted with at Kalos, if I spent our money the same way you spent your money, would you fire me? Would you accuse me of abusing the money? Would you accuse me of embezzling the money? I mean, why do we have different standards for pastors with God's money than we do for ourselves? And so this is a test. Tithing is a test. And my prayer is that we would say, Lord, I want to pass the test saying, I'm seeking you first. I'm trusting you with all of my income. And so practically, I want to ask, would you pray about setting up your tithe? lining yourself up with the spiritual principle, the spiritual discipline. The way I would prefer to see you set up a tithe is by going to our website. I'm going to put this on the screen. If you go to kalos.church/give, you'll see the screen. Click on the green button, and then you can set up automatic giving. You can set up whatever you want there. I recommend 10% to align up with the scripture. Select tithes and offerings, set up automatic giving, and just submit it. And this helps us practically plan as a church, but it helps you say, Lord, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm not just going to honor you with my lips, but I'm going to say if my heart is where my treasure is, I want to say my treasure is in a place where moths and vermin and fishers and hackers can't steal it or destroy it. But Lord, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, and I, I'm trusting you, and I'm honoring you, and I'm obeying the scripture. And so, again, I don't want you to feel like I'm manipulating you. If you, you feel uh, like, ah, oh, man, this is a little growth. This is a little ugly. This church is just hungry for money. Well, take these principles and give to another church because I don't want something from you. I want something for you to find financial freedom through financial dependence in the Lord. Let me close with this example before we pray. I want you to imagine that I'm going out of town and Amritha's at home with the kids. And I'm concerned that she's not going to have enough food, be able to pay for the heating bills, and having some spending money to just take care of the kids. So I, I go to Tori right here in the front row and I say, Tori, I'm going to give you $10,000 a month while I'm gone for the next three months. And I just want, to get, I want you to return just $1,000 to our family so that Amritha has enough to take care of the kids and herself really well. And so I come back and I say, Amritha, hey, how, how was it? She says, well, it's kind of a weird three months. Like, it was hard, honestly. I didn't have enough food for the kids. I mean, it started off great. The first month, Tori gave me the $1,000. He returned our money to us, and I was able to buy food. We could go to the movies. It was actually great. But in the second month, he only gave us like $300. So it's like I could only do the bare minimums. And then in the th third month, he gave nothing at all. And so then I come home, and I talk to Tori. And I'm like, Tori, why did you let my family suffer? 
I mean, Tori, how dare you? Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It, it, it wouldn't just be like this legalistic principle. It would hurt my heart as a husband and a father because my family was neglected. In the same way, the tithe belongs to God's house. And God's house is a place where his family is, his children, and the church is called the bride of Christ. And so when we return the money God has trusted to us, it's like what, when Tori, he, he's spending money that isn't even his to begin with. It belongs to the family. And so I, I just, I believe this idea of tithing is more personal to Jesus than we think. He cares about the local church. He cares about his children. He cares about his bride. And I, I just pray that you, you would, I don't know, be gentle with the Lord's heart as you consider tithing because he wants to reach more people and build a table where people can taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this word. And I pray that you just help us get a revelation of this, this gift of tithing. I pray that we would not be trapped by our finances. We wouldn't feel enslaved by these jobs. I pray even right now as people are dealing with job insecurity or financial security, Lord, I pray that they wouldn't have to hold this on their own. I pray that they wouldn't feel like they have to get through this season by themselves. But Lord, trusting you with our finances is a good thing. Lord, when our hands are open, it means you can, yes, take things out, but you put things, good things in there. And so Lord, today we just, we, we say, we don't want to seek after all of these things, what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, how we're going to pay our mortgage. We're not chasing after that. We want to chase after you. So Lord, we, we just boldly declare that we decide in our hearts, we're going to seek first the kingdom of God not money. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.